1: How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Hardwood Knocks. This is Adam Frommel here with only Andy Bailey today. Dan is on vacation. We are soldiering on in his absence. Today we're going to talk about the Milwaukee Bucks. They're a team that finished exactly at five hundred in the Eastern Conference, 41 wins, 41 losses. And it was an offseason of a bit of change. Even though they brought Chris Middleton back and still have their young core, they're going to be getting Jabari Parker back after his uh, his his big injury last year, they signed Greg Monroe despite the overtures he received from the Knicks and the Lakers. So it's a team where the identity is sort of shifting, even though there's a lot to be excited about. So Andy, just just in general, I'm curious if you think this team is trending in the right direction and going to finish above 500 next year, or if they're they're kind of moving back despite so many exciting pieces. I'm actually pretty high on the Bucks. I I
0: really like. Um... Grocery Outlet Bargain Market is your home for huge savings on name brand products. This week, get an amazing deal on Ruben's Corned Beef Brisket, just 2 dollars a pound. That's a savings of up to $2 per pound versus traditional grocery stores. Also, start your morning off right with Versanto Cafe Single Serve Brew Cups. 80-count packages of assorted varieties are just 14 dollars That's a wow savings of up to 50%. Offers good through March 12th. Grocery Outlet Bargain
1: Market.
0: A lot of their young pieces, like you mentioned, Jabari Parker. I still like Giannis Antetokounmpo a lot. I think the fit with Greg, Greg Monroe could be a little bit wonky, but I, I think they'll figure it out. I think they have a lot of talented young pieces, and this is actually one of the young teams that I'm most high on. I don't, I don't see them making a huge leap up to 50 wins or anything, but I, I can definitely see them being over 500.
1: Yeah, I think I like this team as well, and I, I just I really like that they have an identity. And even though they're bringing in Greg Monroe, who's not exactly the best defender, and Jabari Parker, that's the end he's going to struggle on as well. Uh, Jason Kidd knows what he's doing on that end of the court. Like that's that's what this team wants to do, and they have so many pieces that not only have length but have the ability to play multiple positions and to switch on every pick. And And that, to me, gives them a significant leg up, just because they, they do have something that they can fall back on when the shots aren't falling, and we saw that in the playoffs. You know they gave the Bulls a, a, a bit of a bit of a trouble in the first round despite not really having much offensive firepower at their disposal. Yeah, I think the defense I think there will be a little bit of an adjustment period to try and
0: integrate uh, Monroe and, and Parker, both of whom have had their issues on the defensive, end. Parker I think actually. The, their net rating was was worse when he was on the floor than when he was off, last season. But I think they'll figure it out for a lot of the same reasons that you just said. I think there's a ton of versatility on the roster, and and one of the big keys I think is that part of that big man big man rotation is John Henson, who can come in and play either front court position and is an excellent rim protector. Uh, he actually had the highest block percentage in the league last season, if I'm not mistaken, um, and. He can spell either one of those guys, and they can play different styles with him. You know, if they keep Monroe in, they can kind of play an inside game. If they keep Parker in, they can play a four-out, one-in around Henson. Um, I, like you said, I'm just kind of reiterating
1: it. The versatility there is is pretty exciting to me. Does the offense concern you though? I mean, just the fact that they don't have any really established scores. I mean, you would probably say their number one option on most nights is going to be Chris Middleton who's only going to be in his, his second season as as that lead guy. Uh, I love Chris Middleton. I think he's really talented. Uh, he he brings exactly what they need to the table uh, in terms of his outside shooting and his ability to, to work off the catch. Uh, is it enough? I would say that is the concern, and it's a big one, obviously.
0: <laughs> Offense is pretty important. They have a lot of guys who are... Really inefficient. I would agree with you that Middleton's probably the number one option. Um, but even last season, he averaged 13 points a game. And he was, he was good. He was efficient. But, you know, 13 points a game isn't what you normally think of as your go-to number one option. Maybe Jabari Parker can become that this season. But, you know, there's a big question mark whenever anybody's coming back from an ACL um, I actually did some research a couple months ago about the recent history of ACL tears. And, and generally, if you are super cautious with it, like a lot of players are being now, he'll, and, and you're this young, there's there's a good chance and a good reason to think he'll be fine. But there is that question mark. Uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, is, uh, he's still a question mark offensively. He can't really shoot. Michael Carter-Williams
1: definitely can't shoot. Um, you You have a lot of spacing issues in that starting lineup. I mean, even the bigs that you're looking at, Greg Monroe and John Henson and Miles Plumley, they're not guys who you're going to want outside the paint. I mean, Monroe can knock down a couple of mid-range jumpers. Henson could in college and hasn't been able to in the NBA for whatever reason, which personally I think is that the, the previous regime just didn't give him enough time. Yeah. Uh, but that that to me is really is really troubling. When Anta Tacumbo, he can't shoot at all. I mean, he is told not to let fly. From beyond the, the arc, just because there were no good things that would happen in that situation, and we know that MCW can't. I mean, he's—they're—they're they're both young enough that they could develop there, but that's not really something you want to be banking on. Do you know? I, I'm looking at their stats right now. Carter Williams shot
0: just as a member of the Bucks, 14% from three, and on, on Anadikunpo was 16%. And that—I mean—that's awful. And in today's NBA. You really need, even if you're a bad shooter, you want to be around 25 to 30 percent from there. If you're shooting threes now, now Ananakumpo, like you said, he didn't really have the green light. Um, He only took a half a three a game, but man, that that really hurts. You're really relying on just OJ Mayo and maybe maybe Gravis Vasquez for
1: your shooting this year. I was about to say, I loved that they brought in Vasquez during the off season because that was exactly what they needed. You know, he's the perfect complement to Carter Williams because he he's also a great distributor, but he can shoot. You know, I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, he is capable of finding the net from the outside. And beyond those guys, they still have Jared Bayless who can create his own shots. I really like Rashad Vaughn's game. I don't know much how much he's going to play during his rookie season, but just having him there as kind of an insurance policy is nice. So there there are pieces off the bench where they're they're going to be able to have kind of those spark plugs come in and, and sort of rotate through the lineup while they have those defensive stoppers. So maybe it's not as problematic as I'm initially thinking, but just that combination of MCW and, and Giannis, like, oof, oof yeah. I don't like it. And even Jabari, who was a good shooter in college, or a decent shooter at least, he struggled
0: shooting in the limited time that he had last season. He only shot 25% from three. I... I tend to think that he'll figure it out because I, I think he's very, very talented and he's got you know, good mechanics on his shot. Um, but it's definitely a problem. Now, I was just thinking as we were talking about Vasquez, though, uh, I could see a lot of games where he might finish down the stretch instead of Michael
1: Carter-Williams. What do you think about that? It wouldn't surprise me if you're talking about finishing games where they're trying to make up a deficit. Mm-hmm. I think that if, if things are close enough, if it's a one or two possession game, that they are going to want to have Carter Williams in because he is the future of that team at point guard if all goes according to plan. And beyond that, he fits with that, that overall identity of, of the team, which is length at every position and the ability to make all of those switches. And Vasquez is absolutely a negative on the defensive end. So I'm not sure that the kid, especially because he played point guard, is going to want to have that much of a liability on his pet side of the court. Are you
0: convinced with Carter Williams as the future not at all
1: not yeah, at all I've been really, part really hard either. on him ever since he came into the league um, I, I think that he's still benefiting from from the reputation that he earned in that first game of his career against the heat yeah. did he hit like a triple double with steals or something crazy like I think that he had nine steals because I was
0: actually covering that game so I remember it specifically
1: yeah I remember I, I think I was on that night as well but I wasn't I, I was voluntarily not watching the Heat-Sixers game until the very end. It was like, this team is going to beat the Heat. Like, this rookie point guard is having the game of his life already. Uh, but I think he's still benefiting from that one game and just playing in such a putrid rookie class that he was able to win Rookie of the Year during a season in which, like, he was very much chasing stats at the end of that year. Yeah, for sure. Now, he, was, he was not trying on defense and was attempting to, like, jump every passing lane to boost his steals number. And... I'm not a fan of that style of play. It reminds me way too much of like Ricky Davis. Yeah. Uh, but he's got talent. I mean, even at Syracuse, he was, he was good in transition. He's got great vision. It's just the shooting that's so problematic.
0: I, I'm very skeptical, too. And that's the reason I asked you. Um, and I know their record was, was worse down the stretch. I'm, I'm looking it up right now. I'm trying to get the... Uh... I think part
1: of that was just losing Brandon Knight. Yeah, that's big, and there was that, a big was adjustment big there.
0: But I, so I, my natural inclination when I saw that their, you know, their record is worse in the second half than it was in the first, you, you automatically blame Carter Williams, or at least I did. But I, his net rating was actually really good as a member. Of the Bucks. I was going to
1: say in the Fats model that I have, the one that's based on historical similarities, the the Bucks, once he was on that team, they played like a 43.7 win team when he was on the court. And when he was off, they were a 29.3 win team. So that's a
0: huge swing.
1: Yeah, I think that he played better defense than, than a lot of people were giving him credit for. And that alone was enough to make him valuable.
0: Yeah, and just to hammer home that defense point, the defensive rating when he was on the floor was 98 and when he was off it was 101 and their their offense was actually better when he was on too there. plus they were 104.3 with the offense when he was on and 89.6 when he was off that that kind of surprises me i don't i don't know if i can read too much into that with only what did he play 29 games with the bucks
1: yeah i think it's partially sample size driven and another part of it is just the context of he always played with the starters he didn't spend much time with the, with the second unit. So I think that's, that's a major reason that we're seeing the better numbers. But, I mean, they should underscore that, that he – it's such a weird career trajectory for a guy who's entering his third season. Like he went from being vastly overrated yeah. in his rookie year because he won that award to all of a sudden like the whole world realized that. And now he might be a little bit underrated. Yeah, I was actually just kind
0: of thinking the same thing. And it's kind of crazy to say because I agree that he was very overrated. As a member of the Sixers, but maybe he didn't get enough credit with the Bucks. And I know his sh- his shooting problems scare me as much as anyone. But yeah, I think there may be something there, and I think that if there's a coach in the league that can figure
1: it out, it, it's it might be Jason Kidd. And kind of the beauty of this situation for me is this is such a point guard driven league, the NBA right now. Yeah, like if sure. you don't have a good point guard, it's going to be really hard to compete. But this sort of seems like one of the very few teams that's actually set up to be competitive, even if they're trying to figure out what they have at the one. One thing I really like, uh, and this is going to go back to
0: what you said earlier, is they have so much versatility, and that, that kind of helps cover the point that you just made. They have a lot of different guys that can initiate the offense. Uh, defensively, they can switch all over the floor, and, and Carter Williams plays a, a huge role in that. Um, but yeah, I agree with you on the offensive side of the ball. They have some guys that can maybe sort of stem the tide as they figure out if if Carter Williams really is the future.
1: Now, I'm curious because I look at this roster and I see a lot of pieces that I'm excited to watch. I think this is probably going to be one of my favorite league pass teams just to see what these young guys can do and, and how competitive they really are going to be. But what excites you the most? I mean, we have Carter Williams' potential. We have how good Chris Middleton is, despite not really receiving that much recognition. Antetokounmpo can go off on any night in so many ways. Jabari Parker's bouncing back. Like there's a lot of stuff to watch here.
0: Yeah, I would say this is a league pass team for me too, and they were actually a league pass team for me last year. Uh, they were really fun to watch, especially before Parker went down. And he is probably the thing that I'm most excited about. I was really high on him coming out of college. I understand. The criticisms over his defense, um, I understand that he didn't necessarily make him better in the few games that he played last season, but he's mm-hmm. got a ton of talent. He is a perfect body for that sort of new combo forward that's that's becoming really popular in the NBA right now. Tweener really isn't a bad thing anymore. It just means you can play more than one position, and I like that about Parker. I I like... <laughs> Uh, we've hammered this a few times, but I like that they have three or four different guys who can play three or four different positions. Like when they're all on the floor together, Middleton, Anadacumpo, and Parker are all essentially playing the same position, which is cool to me. I, I love that we're trending towards this positionless basketball. So I, I think all of those things are I'm excited about, but specifically I would I would have to go with Parker.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. I think, I think for me, though, it's, it's just Giannis because he's making such noticeable strides each year and really within each year. Um, we're, we're seeing him develop into a more confident offensive player, even though he doesn't have much of a shot at all, uh, who, who realizes that attacking the rim is going to be his bread and butter for a long time. He's extremely confident on the defensive end. I, I can't help but remember, I think it was during his rookie season when they were playing the Knicks and Melo was just torching the league at the time. And he, he shut him down. You know, he was in his, he was in his Jersey all night and it was only when he was off the court or guarding someone else that Anthony was scoring a lot. And after the game he was like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's Carmelo Anthony, but it's any other person. Like I, I'm just going to go out and guard. And like as easy it is as, as it is to say that it's harder to do it. And he actually seemed to, so I love the development we're seeing from him and just the, the idea that, any game could be the one that leads him to make that proverbial leap. I like Kupo a lot, too. I I already mentioned this. I am a
0: little bit worried about the offensive skill set. He's still raw there, but obviously he's really young, so he has time to figure that end out. Do you remember, uh, I think it was last summer, when Jason Kidd was talking about playing him at point? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they experimented
1: with it during preseason, and I think for yeah. a couple
0: of regular season games. I didn't know how much he was on the ball in the season. I, I do remember the preseason experiments, man. If they figure that out and, and they, to some extent, they kind of already do Chris Middleton plays on the ball a lot. Uh, Carter Williams is six, seven. So he's kind of a wing playing on the ball. If they get to a point where they have three or four guys on the floor, at all time who can at all times who can create for each other, it, it's going to make
1: for some really fun offense. I unabashedly love the idea. It might not work on, it might not actually work against a good team, but just the fact that they're willing to experiment and let him practice like that. What's the negative? Yeah, I agree. I mean, at the very least, he's never going to play the point and he's going to develop more ball skills. That's hardly a negative. So, by all means, I hope they continue doing that.
0: I love just in general that, you know, the traditional the traditional positional designations are kind of going out the window. As someone who played basketball growing up and on into my 20s, I was always one of the biggest guys on the team. And so I was automatically, just because I didn't have the most creative coaches, I was automatically just put in the post. Because you're the tall guy and that's what you do. I love that that's not really a part of the game anymore. The the league, every player is expanding their skill set.
1: So now yeah, seven
0: I, footers got to be able to dribble. They got to be able to pass. They got to be able to shoot. And it just makes the game in general so much more fun to watch.
1: I didn't play nearly as seriously as you did. But I remember like during my, my college intramural days, like I was the tallest. I was one of the tallest players on our team and I'm six foot, which would probably tell you how, how good our <laughs> team was. Uh, but I, I mean, I played center on defense and, and brought the ball up the court on the other on some possession. So I yeah, love it. Which we, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we could be seeing in a few years. Which
0: is great. It's awesome. Why not? Like I, mean, I wouldn't be, we can just go back. I was going to think of, I was thinking of Anthony Davis as somebody who can do that. But Giannis could be in that same mold. He's really sure. not that much shorter than Davis and what, sure. maybe an inch. Yeah. Um, He can get the rebound, go coast to coast and, and create for others or take it himself. It's, it's
1: going to make for a really fun, fun time to be an NBA fan. Yeah. I mean, the notion of positions are just entirely antiquated. They mm. did we don't need to have them. It's it's a convenient way of making it easier to understand for casual NBA fans. Agreed. Because they're, they're not going to want to worry about nine different positions or a dozen different positions or identifying players by role. It's easiest just to, to take them and stack them up and see who's the tallest.
0: Yeah, and then you, based on whatever position they're assigned, that's what they're supposed to be able to do. So, And, and I'm even guilty of this when it comes to point guards. I still see point guard as the guy who's supposed to set everybody else up, which isn't always the case and doesn't always have to be the case. Um, just everything that has to do with positions. And, and the Warriors were the ones who proved this in the finals last season when they just threw uh, four or five guys who were between 6'7 and 6'8 on the floor. Just put exactly. your five best players on the floor and, and play. And it was it was awesome
1: to see them do that. Exactly, but before we, uh, before we dive too, da- too far down this tangent, because we could probably spend an hour talking about sure. how stupid positions are, I'm, I'm <laughs> curious where you think this team is going to finish in the East. For me, I, I kind of have them in a pretty similar spot. Like, they're going to be a better team. I'm not sure that's going to result in too many more wins because the East in general is improving. So like, in, my, in, in my initial look, I have them winning like 42 or 43 games, being substantially better, but still finishing with probably that sixth seed.
0: I'm in the exact same boat, actually. I think I think a lot of teams in the East got better, including the Bucks. So I could see them getting to mid 40s, maybe 45, 46 at the most. But again, that's probably going to put them in a scrum for you know the, the sixth and seventh spot. I think maybe the eighth seed will, will be a lower record again. So I think they'll comfortably be in the playoffs, um, but not necessarily threatening for home court or you know going to the Eastern Conference Finals or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's a good position for them to be in because this isn't a team where where that that jump into true contention is really necessary yet. I mean, Great. if you look at their their key rotation members, they're all pretty young. Carter Williams is is what twenty twenty four now. I think he just or he's about to turn twenty four. I mean, Takunpo is about to turn twenty one. You know, so they. That they have so many guys with plenty of years left before they're even close to hitting their prime. I mean, we say Bruno Caboclo with the Toronto Raptors was like two years away from two years away Yeah, last year. That was the the famous Fran Fraschilla quote. But if you think about it, like a lot of the players on the Bucks roster kind of fit into that mold as well, and they're already well ahead of where they should be in this rebuild.
0: For sure. And if they can manage to keep everybody together, eventually they're going to have to pay some of these guys. But if you have them all growing on sort of the same developmental curve for two or three years, they can get a little bit of chemistry, a little bit of continuity. I'm not, I'm not going to compare them directly to the Oklahoma City Thunder when they had Durant, Harden, and Westbrook all growing up at the same time. Uh, but it's a, it's a similar trajectory, just on maybe a little bit lower scale. Mm-hmm. A lot of talented young players who
1: can develop together and and could become a pretty cool cohesive team. No, I totally agree, um, and I guess. Our, kind of our last preview question for them uh, is how high can they rise? Let's say everything breaks right. MCW and Anta figure out how to shoot decently. Not great, but decently. Jabari Parker is healthy. If everything goes right, how good can this team be? Are we talking about this season or, or this like a future yeah, outlook? Yeah, this, this season.
0: This season, I think in the Eastern Conference, if everything went perfectly, uh, I'm going to say just below 50. I don't want to give them 50, but if everything went perfectly, they're in the East. They can beat a
1: lot of these middling Eastern Conference teams. I could see them getting to maybe 47, 48. Yeah, I think if everything breaks right for me, the the only teams in the East that I would have definitively ahead of them would be the Bulls, Cavs, and Hawks, and not in that order. I could see that, yeah. But that said, I don't think that's, that's likely. Yeah, I don't think it's likely either. If I
0: had to if I had to make an actual prediction, I'd probably put it back down to the mid-40s like I had
1: earlier. Yeah, totally agreed. But now I'm smelling something, and that is. Bacon! Bacon! Where's the bacon? I smell bacon! Bacon! Bacon gotta be bacon only one thing smells like bacon! That's bacon! That's right, it's time for what burns my bacon, and today it is me that has some sizzling former pig. Uh and it's it's due to Derek Rose, you know. Surprise, surprise! He's injured again. Uh, this time, he he took an elbow during practice. I don't know if they've specified who actually elbowed him. Probably because they don't want to put them in witness protection in Chicago. Um, but he has a, a fractured orbital bone. He's going to be out for a couple weeks. He'll probably play during the regular season. But come on, like, what did this guy do to deserve all of this rotten luck? It's just one thing after another. Like this isn't even related to his legs. You can't you can't say that this is like a direct byproduct of rushing back too fast or putting too much stress on these joints that are so problematic. It's just like terrible, horrible misfortune. Like, come on. Like, could this have happened to anybody else on the roster? Joe Kim Noah probably would have willingly sacrificed his orbital bone for <sighs> Derek Rose. So, ugh. like, I hate to be making jokes during this, but I'm, like, trying to kind of see the, the light in this situation because it's just so horribly depressing a guy that's worked so hard to like salvage his career after an MV and uh, blah, after an mvp season like have to have to go through something again like at what point does he like send christmas cards to his surgeon
0: probably soon he, he's he's had a lot of surgeries i thought at first you were going to have a burning bait like you were mad at him for breaking his face but you're,
1: <laughs> you're, i kind of am <laughs> but i also recognize it's not his fault and now, like, every time I hear that Weekend song, I can't feel my face. Like, I'm just thinking Derek <laughs> <Eric> Rose.
0: <laughs> so you're more mad at Lady Luck. Yeah. This Lady case. Luck sucks. I wonder if he's the supervillain from Unbreakable. You remember Mr. Glass?
1: I do. That's probably not a very nice thing to say. No, but. I mean, it's like we can look at other sports like Bob Sanders. Like, he's prob- Rose is probably jealous of Bob Sanders' durability. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's pretty sad at this point. And I think um, Dan... <laughs> Our normal co-host Dan Favale, I don't know if you, anybody saw this, but he made a meme the other day that was the scene from Captain Phillips, where the the Somali pirate says, "I'm the captain now," and he put Jimmy Butler's face on there and said, "I'm the point guard now." Great movie, by the way. Yeah, very very good movie. Very good performance by Hanks, maybe his best. But that there that meme was hilarious. There's a lot of truth to it, and I'm I'm that's we can hash this out some other time, but I'm pretty excited to see if
1: Butler can take on more of a playmaking role for the Bulls. Yeah, um, I would mind seeing it as well. I just, Rose should be back for the regular season. So yeah, and let's, let's let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's
0: now. Uh, knock on wood that he doesn't hurt anything else after this injury. That'll wrap up this episode of the Hardwood Knocks. If you want to talk to Adam or or I or Dan or all three of us, we're all on Twitter. Adam is at Frommel09, A L zero nine. 9 Dan is at Dan Favale, F-A-V-A-L-E. I'm at Andrew D. Bailey. And then all three of us are uh, at Hardwood Knox. So you can can send questions for any future podcasts there. You can talk to us about things we've already talked about. Um, We'll continue to do trivia and ask for questions there. Also, if you guys listen to the podcast on itunes any kind of a rating helps us there Uh, so far we've got nothing but five stars so that's pretty cool that's not Um, a challenge (laughs) yeah good good call adam Um, but the ratings help us and you know favoriting us on stitcher helps and we really appreciate that you guys tune in and shout out to Bino udry the iPhone XR is here at T-Mobile, and there's a whole lot to love, like those perfect portrait mode selfies you're going to share. Nice. And how emojis now turn every FaceTime with the kids into fun time. <laughs> in fact, the only thing you'll love more than your iPhone XR is getting it included in the price when you get an unlimited plan. That's right. Get both unlimited and iPhone XR included for just 40 bucks a month. Sure, you can get unlimited somewhere else. But for the same price at T-Mobile, you get unlimited and iPhone XR. Join today and get iPhone XR included with your unlimited plan for just $40 a line for four new lines. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today.
1: $30 $30 for essentials plus $10 for iPhone XR with auto pay and qualifying trade-ins via 36 bill credits. Customers may notice lower speeds and further reduction if using more than 50 gigs per month. Video at
0: 480p for well-qualified buyers plus taxes and fees. Contact us before canceling or remaining balances due. Qualifying service and finance agreements required. Zero down plus 2084 per month for 36 months. Full price $749.99,
1: 0% APR